0: thinking about it Capital
1: M Moscow We speak English
0: We play
2: their hits one, five point three. The world is on fire And no one could save me But you It's strange what desire Will make foolish people Will do And i
0: This is my radio sender. Guys, I, l- I love you. Capital FM, Moscow. This is my station. Capital FM, Moscow. 105.3. <whistles> Capital Sports. With Alan Moore.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a very warm welcome back to Capital Sports here on Moscow's Capital FM. I am Alan Moore and of course I'm your, well I should say your co-host because you're all my hosts here with me this evening. Because we have coming up the two two hours of the very best news, views, reviews, previews and interviews in the world of sports. Because you do know we are... Mainland Europe's number one English language radio sports show. Do not forget it. Remember, that is a fact. So are you ready? Are you ready, folks? Because in a minute, we're going to go to Andrew Flint, who's covering the huge game at Anfield, Liverpool and Manchester United. We're going to go to that in just one moment. Then we're going to have a bit of a chat about the Arsenal transfer, about other transfers, the English Premier League, because, of course, it's been absolutely manic to start off 2021. And a big danger that the whole league could be cancelled over COVID. That's one and two. In the third, we have East Alex B. Talking sense in women's sport, NFL, NBA and UFC. The big burning question, is Habib back? And is Connor Habib number two on the way? Listen in and find out. And then in the fourth, we're going to go to England to speak with Kieran Stewart and Steve uh, Steve K from the Transfer Exchange Show. They're of course good friends of ours. They're going to tell us exactly who's going to go where. So you'll have a little bit of a uh, let's just say foretelling what is going to come. In the fifth, we have Olympic figure skating superstars. Morozov and Tarasova they are going to join us to talk about the Olympics Covid because of course um, uh, Vladimir had Covid there in September last year and their hopes and dreams and some very very interesting answers are on the way I can guarantee that and then finally the big fat building quiz in the sixth with our usual roundup of deplorables but first Andrew Flint what is the score in Anfield a big game that's going to finish the whole season until next week
1: Uh, Wow. It's, it's nil-nil so far, 13 minutes to go. Um, Manchester United-Liverpool games in the last few years have ter- generally turned out to be relatively dull affairs. Um, but it's been, a, it's been an enterprising game. Both sides have had a decent number of chances. Liverpool have had a lot more shots, but not many of them actually on target. Um, and not too many clear-cut chances. Bruno Fernandes had a free kick that went inches wide, but it's still nil-nil, Astoning
3: stand um, I mean I've been following the game watching it uh, here in studio and uh, you know Liverpool are controlling it and sometimes there's some kind of like suicidal moves from, from from United but I did see that Pogba is actually playing quite well is he trying to play well to get a transfer out of United? <laughs> yeah
1: that, that's always the temptation to believe that and it's, it's very hard to argue against it although he has been one of our best players for the last few, last few games um, I mean... <sighs> Mohamed Salah looks well off colour today, um, in my opinion. It's not the the bias coming in there, but he's had a lot of the ball and not done a great deal with it. I'm sure I'm going to curse it now and he'll probably pull out some worldly into the top corner, but um, United have been cautious rather than enterprising, but I actually think it's a missed opportunity with Liverpool's injury problems and defensive problems. I think they should have gone for the jugular here, but you know, so far you can't argue; still top of the table.
3: I mean, Liverpool started with central, central midfielders in the centre of defence, um, but people yeah. are saying, like, you know, why was Martial started for United? Because I mean, he, you know, he scored what two goals this season? He hasn't exactly been setting the world on fire. Now Cavani has come on; he came on just after the arrow mark. Um, but do you think maybe Cavani should have been started because he's a very, very good player and he's just been warming the bench and getting splinters in his backside?
4: yeah
1: absolutely um I, I spoke to my, I spoke to my dad before the game um he 's been following United for half a century now, and we both agreed we need that killer instinct in the box. We need Edinson Cavani up front. Uh, I really think he should have started and had he not had an effect, you could have taken him off if his legs had tired and brought on Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood looks like he 's warming up right now actually. Um, I wouldn't have started with Greenwood, I would have started with Cavani because those few chances that come your way when you're playing Liverpool at Anfield, you have to take them and there aren't many more clinical strikers uh, in world football, especially not in Manchester United squad, than Cavani. Martial, I agree with starting though, because he has the pace and he has that ability to
3: change the game when he's on form. Do you think, I mean, as much as we praise Marcus Rashford, do you think that maybe he he, he he needs to switch his focus back? Because a lot of last week he was tweeting and talking about, um, the you know, and I was speaking to the Prime Minister and so on, about the, the issues surrounding uh, school lunches and food and a very, very, you know, dodgy deal that was given out where they basically said, oh, this is like 30, was it, like a, oh, 30, oh, pounds. The the
1: 30 pounds worth of what, the the food? 30 pounds worth. the food to five pounds, I think.
3: Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, and, and yet it cost the government 41 pounds. I mean, there's so much corruption, but um, do you think that maybe he just needs to... I, I hate to say this. I hate to say this because I think he's a brilliant young lad, um, that he should just shut up and dribble?
1: Uh, I don't, actually. I mean, I, I know what the temptation is to say, oh, any any period where he's not on absolute sparkling form, to put it down to off-field... Distractions, um, but I, I generally don't, I, if anything, I think it is, it is an improving in focus, his focus. Um, yeah, I mean, where he is played on the pitch has a major, a major saying in things. I like to see him as a central striker, but given enough freedom to, to come in from the side, um, not be, not be a traditional number nine, so to speak. Um, I don't think his off field things are, are, a negative. I think it, if anything is, it's, it's giving him a central focus, as in he's the, he's the star man, and I think he needs that. He needs to have that sense of, of arrogance. In fact, he's just breaking through right now. Um, can he put Kanani through? Rash, come on, lad. Oh, no. Just running no, out of no. space. Just I, left- but I think his focus is good.
3: Okay. Um, listen. Any any comments? Of course. Plus seven ninety five one 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 zero five three. We've a rake of questions in, especially regarding UFC. And um, yeah, a question from Lockman. Uh, we'll ask you that in the next segment with Eastl. Um, listen, Andrew. Overall, uh, you know, United have picked up what twenty nine out of the last thirty three points. So you know, so they've they've only lost one of the last eleven games. They've been they've been on a great run. Is it terrible if they lose today? Or is it okay if they get a draw?
1: I um, you, you cannot argue with a point away to a team like Liverpool when we're already top of the table. It keeps us at the top. Um, so, yeah, of course you can't argue with a point. Um, losing, well, mathematically is not catastrophic. It simply means that we'll be level on points, um, although with an inferior goal difference to Liverpool. But... Um, it would be damaging from a momentum point of view, in my eyes, because this is when Liverpool have been on a relatively shaky, by their standards, run of form. Oh, my word. Alison Becker just tipped that one round the post. Um, a defeat would not be disastrous in, on, on, in points on the table, but for me, it would be disastrous for momentum. This is when we need to go for it.
3: Okay, I mean De Gea has taken off just uh, just before you didn't mention it. So I'm not going to question your uh, let's say your bias, but uh, Thiago had an absolute amazing shot from around 15 20 meters out, and De Gea had a lovely. I mean it was quite central, but De Gea really stopped it quite well. Um, If we if we look at it, Andrew, um, there's a big game course coming up next weekend uh, between United and Liverpool uh, in the FA Cup. Uh, Do you think that maybe Liverpool could say, well, do you know what we'll We'll will will get one over them anyway.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's it's another huge game. You're absolutely right, Um I think both teams would look at it in a similar way to what I've just suggested in the term in sense of building or cutting momentum, whichever one is needed. Um, the FA Cup is is a tournament that I still massively massively want to win, um, and I think I think the league. Well, the league always takes precedence, but. If if we can get a decent result tonight, um and Manchester United could get a result in the FA Cup and suddenly, you know, you've got the long running with momentum behind them. I think it is very difficult to overstate how important both games are.
3: Okay, uh, look, there's a lot of comments coming in saying that, like, you know, why is this, like, this game is dead. It's like two teams at the end of the season, that there's nothing uh, at stake. Um, there were, you know, there's sort of a lot of Liverpool fans are complaining, saying we don't have enough um, players and so on and so forth. We don't have enough quality. They want to get Coutinho back in, for example. Um at the start of the season we said that this was going to be that Liverpool were not going to win the league and I made that bold statement back in September they're not going to win it I didn't think United would be anywhere near the top of the table now to be honest with you I
1: admit I didn't see that uh, No, no,
3: nobody saw that coming nobody not even the the, the biggest diehard United fan Um, but at the same time uh, you know there were questions around fitness and so on, but like Liverpool have been getting in, you know, they had their new head of recovery, who's come in from Borussia Dortmund, who'd worked with um, Klopp before, and who's you know well versed in the dark arts. Would um, you think it's too late now, Liverpool? They, they, they need to buy big in this transfer window. Do you need to get someone in who's going to, you know, kind of you know wake up Mo Salah, or do you just get rid of Mo Salah altogether because he is kind of um, you know making eyes at teams on the continent?
1: Well he did make that he has made comments relating to like, like a lot of um, agent driven players nowadays do about i wouldn't rule out this and that um personally if i was if I was in charge of recruitment at Liverpool, I would consider a a monumental bid um, but I think he probably still could get um, a reasonable amount of interest from the big financial hitters um Diego Jota has been a revelation for Liverpool this season. Um, he slots straight in there. Um, but there would need to be a replacement for one of the attackers, at least, if they were to do that. Um, I, if I were Liverpool, I don't think I would panic. I certainly wouldn't bring back Philippe Coutinho. Um, I think it's best when you have a player who's had such a good spell to try and bring him back and recreate it is very, very risky. Um, and I don't think he would fit into this, uh, energetic brand, shall we say? Okay, um,
3: <laughs> okay um, so a... no, I don't think I would. It's about five minutes, so there should be about at least five minutes added on uh, of injury time. So we're going to be with the break in just uh, in a couple of minutes. Um, Andrew, before we do, uh, there were, of course, games earlier on today uh, in, in the uh, English Premier League, which, of course, are you know, very, very important right now because it is really all, all for grabs. Spurs winning 3-1 away to the very unfortunate Sheffield United. Um, later on this evening, of course, Man City are home against Crystal Palace. That late game between Aston Villa and Everton has been postponed. Um despite all those and the games and so on that are going on, there is that threat of COVID uh, looming over them all that everything could be cancelled from now on in. Uh, do you think, for example, that could be to Liverpool's advantage? Uh,
1: yes. In, in in short, I think it could. Um, I mean, we've seen teams that play this incredibly energetic, uh, high-pressing style of football. They've benefited from great um, Leeds United last season in their promotion campaign. They play not exactly the same style, but certainly very energetic. They were, they benefited from the break, as it has been widely publicised. They were social media with a uh, Karen Carney's comments than the way they they were interpreted. Um, so I think it possibly could do, but I, I'm not saying they're the only team that would benefit. No, no,
3: I'm not picking on Liverpool. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just saying that. No, no, give, giving yes, them I a rest, I mean would. You know, it would give them a bit yeah. of rest. Um, listen, Man, Man City tonight. If they win and Liverpool don't win uh man city will be up level on points with liverpool um and level on uh, actually level on points then with uh, leicester city as well leicester of course winning 2-0 yesterday um in in a game that i think a lot of us didn't see that you know that that leicester would be so strong this season uh that was a 2-0 win at home against southampton but you know they're now second in the table um do you think that, we, you know, we, we might get a few more shocks? Do you think maybe Leicester or maybe Man City? Because Man City were dead and buried just a few weeks ago. Um, they could be coming back as well.
1: Absolutely. I think Manchester City will be um, the right up there. And I think possibly even the team to beat in the next five, ten games. Um, they have a relatively comfortable run of fixtures too. So they will be dangerous. Yeah. Um, Leicester City, I think, are a team who are going to have a say in the title race, although I don't think it will be for them themselves. They are dangerous to hit teams um, on the break. They have a lot of quality in midfield and they have the evergreen Jamie Vardy, of course, who seems to never stop running. So um, they will have something to say, certainly, in the run-in.
3: Now, just uh, to let everyone know, there are four changes to the side that had beaten um, Brighton in the last game. This for Man City, Kyle Walker. Uh, Fernandinho Raheem Sterling and Gabriel Jesus are all coming into play they're in the starting 11 Um, Divock Origi has come on for Roberto Firmino so uh, you know it it, it does look like Liverpool are really going to go for it United haven't made any more substitutes uh, from what I can see um, Mason
1: Green would have come on just now. Just now, Mason, OK. Greenwood's Listen,
3: uh, Andrew, you're going to stay with us. We're going to go out to the break right now and then we'll be coming back to pick up the last few minutes of this game. Um, right, so what am I going to say? Is it going to be a draw? Yeah, I do think it is, or I think United might sneak that goal. Why? Because the Black Eyed Peas have told me, and they have a feeling, I have a feeling, I got a feeling. This the Black Eyed Peas, back with more football after this.
0: Capital Sports.
3: With Alan Moore.
0: I got a feeling. Like on my god like oh my god Jump out that sofa Come on, let's get it, it, it off Fill up my cup, drain Mozilla Look at her dancing move it, move Just it. take it off Let's paint the town paint the town We'll shut it down Shut it down Let's burn the roof And then we'll do it again You know what we say, we say, party every day, pop, pa- pop, pa- pop, pa- party every day, and I'm feeling more.
3: Welcome back, folks. It is in injury time, as we said it would be. Well, it had to be. Uh, three minutes added on. Uh, the Mason Greenwood, as Andrew Flynn said, was take. what came on and Bruno Fernandes absolutely lost it. He just he was sulking, going off. I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, you know, I, I understand that. Uh, he wanted to play on the whole way, and that's good to see. He's a competitor because you don't want to see someone just like happy to run off the field and go. Thank God, I'm I'm, I'm off this because, of course. As, um, I'm now going to be joined, uh, back, of course, by Andrew Flint and Isol Cody. And guys, um, I'll start off with Andrew. Andrew, they really, there's this new, the no celebration rule that has been brought in. And both these teams are ensuring that they stick by this by not scoring any goals. Yeah, I
1: I have to be honest. The the no celebration rule is just one of the most farcical things I've ever seen. It's because it's visible; it's on TV. Millions of people will see it, and they're worried that people start complaining. Well, hang on a minute. I'm not allowed to meet people, but they're hugging and touching. Well, you know what happens through the entire game of football. You mark players, you're tackling them, you're next to them anyway. So I've just seen a complete load of nonsense. Um, Yeah, I'll take that point. I'll take that point. Top of the table. Um, we're used to being top of the table now, the last few days at least. So, yeah,
3: not too bad. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it is a, it is an interesting one because, of course, Liverpool were were you know they, they were going great guns uh, up until this game. But there you go. Uh, I think there's it's the last moment of the game, uh, last for one final free kick. Or has it been taken? No, it's been taken. We have so.
5: gone to full-time. Full-time.
3: Yeah, yeah. So a good point for United. We did say that uh, the final show on the 27th of December, we, uh, I did say this will be a, score, a boring scoreless draw. You did say you would settle for that, Andrew. So there we go. Eselt, as these uh, boys at the top of the table are slipping up badly, uh, getting these scoreless draws and not able to find the back of the net, Spurs are in flying form right now. They're only four points off the top of the table, I believe, and they're only two points back on Leicester City. Great win earlier on today.
5: It was, and I think it's a really, for after last year, it's been a really exciting few weeks, not because of the quality of football for any team, but because it's so tight at the top. I think it's maybe five points separate the top six at the moment and something like eight points between the top nine. So it is a really exciting time. Spurs. Had a good win. After their first goal, they really sat back and did very little for quite a considerable period. Typical Jose parked the bus, but um, they then got going again. And there was possibly, I would argue, contender for what will be probably goal of the month at this stage from Um So it was a good performance. And it's a pity to see Gareth Bale still hanging out on the bench. But hopefully we'll get to see him back playing.
3: I mean, why is he Why is he sitting on the bench, Cecil? Because I mean, is it something? Is it injury, or is it just Jose doesn't want him there? In any case, or or, or what? Why is well, he there?
5: Jose was asked about this because since the eighth of November, I think he has played something like um, forty minutes in the Premier League. Um, now he has played in the Europa. Um, So what Jose came out and said this week was obviously he arrived to Spurs injured because, you know, you always want to get someone coming in when they are injured. (laughs) He's been injured for the first month there and then has picked up other little injuries. So the impression we've been given is that it's a case of trying to build back his fitness. But at the same time, let's remember, this is a season long loan. We're halfway through the season. What are we thinking for next year? And I think that's something that... Possibly fans, particular well, for Spurs fans, we want to know what the intention is because we're halfway through the season. We're fifty percent of his time on loan. at yeah, I mean, this stage,
3: yeah, one more game and it is ha- Like, the, like it, the, it is at the halfway um, point. Uh, Andrew, looking at the table right now, just run down for, for our listeners. We have United, of course, on top and thirty-seven points. Leicester on thirty-five. Liverpool thirty-four. Uh, Spurs on thirty-three. Man City, if they win tonight, they'll go level. They'll leapfrog Liverpool. They also have another game in hand over all the top teams. They would be, if they win that, they're going to 38 points, then they lead the table. Everton then have a game for, they, they have one game in hand over the top lads. Uh, they are on 32 points. Chelsea on 29, they're not out it yet, but they're not, you know, and then behind them you've got Southampton on 29, West Ham on 29. Um, Eight points covering the top what nine teams? That's that's immense. It is.
1: And like you sort of mentioned, it is making it a fascinating run in. Um Well, I say running a fascinating middle of the season Um, because it is so close. It's it's quite hard to tell exactly who is going to come out with the strongest run of form. I think Manchester City are looking incredibly strong and it's it's hardly surprising given the resources that they have despite what um, their manager always claims. Um, So I think at the moment I'd say Manchester City are looking the most dangerous. Um, Like you say, tonight Liverpool did control a lot of possession but they didn't look desperately... Um, incisive, a lot of their shots are so wayward, I just wonder what they've been doing in training to be honest, so I'd be much more worried about Manchester City at this rate Um, I think they're going to be the team to catch
3: Awesome, okay, Um, listen a a question Andrew for you, you can go away and dig it out what is the oldest football team in the world okay, you can dig that out what is the oldest football team in the world, that uh, question has come through from Lachman Esel, to you uh, looking at the game coming up this evening Man City uh, you know they're going well they were covered uh, unbeaten in the last five games um, this is a rejuvenated Pep Guardiola and a rejuvenated Man City and they look like they have more to come uh, should we be scared? Isult, Isult, Cody I think is Easeld, I think we might have lost Easeld. Uh Andrew are you there? I certainly am. OK, I think we've lost Eastfold. Um Hopefully we'll get... Eastfold, are you back on with us? OK, we will try to... What we'll do is we'll try to... Eastfold, if you just call us back in, we will try to uh, sort, sort you out on that. Um, Andrew, on that, we spoke, of course, about Man City. I... <laughs> Okay, we're going to restart that call all together because uh, just both of our callers seem to have, um, well, something seems to have dropped in it. So we will uh, call them back both in just one moment. Uh, before we do, of course, we have that big game coming up. We're going to cover it live, well, at least the first half of it, because then I have to go home and go to bed because I do have to sleep sometimes so I can... Uh, get back in next week and have more great news for you guys, so of course we will uh, be covering that is the man City game later on today. It is going to be a biggie um it is of course uh Man City and Crystal Palace now that game of course uh you know when we look at it, as we already mentioned uh, that there was a lot going on between the teams man City, as I mentioned have brought in uh four Players, every four players back into the lineup, which I think is it's important for them because, of course, they they need to, you know, up their game a little because they have two games in hand. If they win those two games, they are top of the table. But again, it doesn't matter how many games in hand; you need to get points in your hand. Eastolt, um back to you. I hope the line is a wee bit better. Um, should we fear Man City?
5: We should always fear Man City, despite, as Andrew nicely put it, despite what. Uh, Pep Guardiola likes to tell us this is a team who have been they may not have been at their best at the start of the season but they're also not at risk of losing any of their big names in the transfer window and they're a team that are just improving and getting back to their form which when on form they are the best team as far as I'm concerned. I think Liverpool tonight we saw how almost average some of their play was and um, we're seeing the likes of Alexander-Arnold not playing as well. Whereas when City are on form, even without Aguero, I think they're the biggest threat to any other team in the league.
3: OK, I'm going to quickly look ahead uh, to the midweek fixtures because there are games going on this week. Of course, the Leeds game on Wednesday is postponed. That's with Southampton. Um, Leicester City and Chelsea, that is at 11.15 on Tuesday evening. Andrew, that's, you know, it, it, that, that's it. That is almost like deciding who's going to finish top three, isn't it?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I'd say so. I think Leicester are looking um, far more consistent than Chelsea, but Chelsea have a lot of players who just haven't quite hit the heights that we thought they might do. Um, I think Timo Werner needs to be used more efficiently. Um, He he isn't a winger, he is a forward, and he should be allowed to be more central. And I think that is part of the reason why he's struggling, because he's having to fight for the ball more, and he's he's not that type of player. He needs to be running forwards. Um, but that game, um, yeah, I, I would say, uh, I would say Chelsea have a lot of ground to make up, and I don't think they're going to be a threat for the top three realistically long term. Although that game, that fixture, could change it.
3: OK, now, of course, uh, Man City are playing Aston Villa at home. That is at 9 o'clock Moscow time on Wednesday. And then Man United are down in London against Fulham. That is 11.15 as well on Wednesday. Um, I want to have a look at that game on Thursday, which is between Liverpool and Burnley. That's 11 o'clock Moscow time. Iselt, uh, that's you know that, that could be the turning point for, for Liverpool's season. They need to get three points out of that because if they don't, they risk allowing Manchester United to get a bit of a brief space.
5: Exactly, and I think at this stage of the season they need to be going into that game focused on winning, and I think Jurgen Klopp if you were looking at him on the sideline at the end of tonight's match, or even coming up towards the end, he's the one, a nil-all draw costs him more tonight, not because United are on top, but because it's showing this is a team that's coming under increasing pressure for people saying, do they need to sign a centre-back? Do they need to bring people in? And he's saying they're not going to, but If that's the case, we need to see them pushing on like they did last year. The only difference in their team is, yes, they have injuries, but not enough to equate with this kind of lacklustre performance we're seeing. So they need to have a result against Burnley. And that isn't
3: necessarily an easy thing. Uh, That is fair enough. OK, now we'll mention the FA Cup, of course, because United and Liverpool go again next Sunday. That is at eight o'clock Moscow time, uh, this time at Old Trafford. Um, listen, Andrew. Should we be expecting something different for these two? Like, will will it be more exciting, more open? Uh, do you think that uh, Oli will want to drive the bus over Klopp this time?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think uh, unfortunately we'll probably see more of the same. Um, Solskjaer has shown his hand that he is a relatively cautious manager um, and tends to get the best out of his sides away from home. Um, the performance tonight was encouraging. Um, from a United point of view I would say Um, although I don't think he quite got his team selection right so it depends on who he chooses and I'm certain he will he will uh, rotate a little bit and so perhaps Mason Greenwood might start um uh, Eric by if he can start I think is actually Manchester United's best defender although that's the problem he tends to be injury prone so if he starts and Mason Greenwood starts and he goes for a more energetic performance I think Manchester United could um, come out on top there but I'm not entirely convinced that's going to happen I think he'll go for
3: caution first really. Okay, Isol, um, I am going to go straight to you uh, because we're going to talk about uh, transfers and so on. We're going to go back into the Russian Premier League in a moment with Andrew Flint. Isol, um, uh, Barcelona are in all sorts of trouble right now because of the presidential election. No one knows who's going where, what's going to happen, because they they like they're in serious problems as a club because they could, you know, they they, they could be facing bankruptcy as well as everything else.
5: Yeah, so Mar- Barcelona basically, because of the fact that they've the presidential elections coming up there have been sort of issues around them signing players and also about players potentially leaving. So I know Arsenal were in the frame for some of the, well, two potential transfers, and this is now all on hold. So COVID has basically meant that we will see the presidential elections on the 7th of March this year, which essentially means that they're going to be in huge difficulty as regards signing any players in the interim. There was discussions about how Man City had basically discussed with the acting president that they would offer the option to all three presidential candidates to sign um eric garcia for example and they basically said no we can't do this we need to have president in and you're kind of going well guys you need to have an interim plan but i think you're seeing even uh coming out now in the strongest possible terms, saying we can't play in a vacuum of not knowing where we're going to be because by March we're so far into the season that you're now looking at the next transfer window and this is a club that already has huge financial difficulties um, and I think this is just putting them into an absolute disaster zone and I, I can't understand how a modern football club doesn't say we have a contingency plan for in the interim before we have a new president and um, we have an acting president why not use him
3: Exactly I mean they, they are quite far behind because Atletico Madrid are top of the table on 41 points there in the La Liga um in La Liga and of course they are what they're four points ahead of Real Madrid they have two games in hand over themselves them and Barcelona Barcelona are another three points further back so they need to get their act together and of course Lionel Messi could be leaving as well he could be leaving on a free um Barcelona is still trying to talk tough for lots of money but doesn't seem to be working. Um, Andrew, very, very quickly, what has been happening with Russian football clubs? Because they're all away sunning themselves, most of them, uh, you yeah. know, and, and doing quite well, some of them, um, and, and in, in their in their beautiful, uh, how do you say, well, no, their, their mid-season training camps. And I mean, it has been looking quite decent for some of them. And Reich, who of course came into Dinamo with lots of um, plaudits, has already gone to Genoa. well, yeah, I mean, this this
1: is the thing. Um, uh, Adolfo Gaici comes in, um, big money signing, and um, he beat, you know, Tisca beat a lot of clubs to his signing. Um, you know, a lot of European clubs were interested in him, and he'd performed well for Argentine in youth international sides, and he's done absolutely nothing. Um, so it's a real, real shame, that, because I thought that... Even if he didn't stay in Russia for very long, he could have turned a decent profit for Tesca, But I think this is, uh, you know, he's, he's going out for, for a whimper with his tail between his legs.
3: Yeah, for, uh, for Dinamo, wasn't it? Right. Uh, Adolfo, are we,
1: uh, we're talking about Adolfo Gajic. Right, Ga- the Argentinian. Yeah, yes, right, yes, right? yes. Sorry, excuse me. Um, yeah, for, yeah. Um,
3: um, because it Because um, Dinamo. Dinamo Moscow. Or am I completely nah, wrong? No, Adolfo, Adolfo Gajic, yeah got my, my apologies. <laughs> okay, of course, uh, Spartak are down sunning themselves in the Emirates. Uh, Zenith are already there. Cisca are travelling to Spain today, where already Lokomotiv and uh, Dinamo are down in Turkey right now. Um, okay, what else has been happening in the transfers? Give us a quick roundup before we go to break.
1: Uh, well, uh, the best moves, I'd say, locomotive have brought in a centre-back, experienced Brazilian centre-back Pablo, uh, Brazilian international, in fact, and from Bordeaux for a, a very decent transfer fee. Um, Jorit Hendricks has joined uh, Spartak Moscow on a permanent deal. He can play defence or midfield, so it will suit uh, Dominica Tedesco's fluid formations. But probably, I'd say, the biggest thing is a lot of clubs are looking at the lower leagues. A lot of players coming in from the Fennell or Ali Kattenberg who brought in four of them and and a lot of uh, players coming in from the post-Soviet countries who no longer count as foreigners Uh, Tambov brought in three of them four of them sorry in fact Um, but Spartak and Lokomotiv bring in a good player each
3: yeah okay that is good okay folks we're going to go uh, out to the break right now we'll be back of course with both Andrew and well Andrew they're on the 6th for the quiz and Eastwood of course is going to stay on with us to talk about Well, NBA, NFL, UFC, and of course, major women's sports stories. We're going to break right now with Avid C and Wake Me Up. And I hope you're all awake. I hope you're all enjoying your Sunday night with us. And we'll be back right after this.
0: Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
2: Feel my way through the darkness. Guided by a beating heart.
0: Домашнее насилие. насилие. Не молчи. У тебя есть право на помощь. Не будь жертвой. Если ты или твои близкие столкнулись с домашним насилием, присоединяйся к онлайн-конференции 20 января. Подробности на сайте m24.ru slash violence 16+. With Alan Moore.
3: Okay folks, we're back on air um, and just a, a reminder that that big game, the first big game of today cl- uh, finished nil, nil between Liverpool and Manchester United the other big game kicking off in what let me see, half an hour, about half an hour or so between Man City and Crystal Palace Man City win and they go into joint second place in the table, leapfrogging Liverpool of all things Right, we're going to go straight away back to our legal legal Eastl Cody, because they're waiting in the wings, is Eastleton also Alex B, Um And I'll say, well, Isild, you have the airwaves. Away you go.
5: So, to kick off 2021's women's sports news, I'm going to start with one very brief, happy bit of news, and then I'm going to go into what I talk about. Agnes Coletti, who is the world's oldest Olympic champion, turned 100 in the last week and a half. Um, Nice to mention, just because this is a woman who survived the Holocaust, which unfortunately took her father and uncles, but... 100 years of age, three Olympics she competed in with 10 medals, five of which being gold. So in these sad, darker times, it's a nice, happy story. Moving from one Olympian to another, Brianna McNeil, the US 100 metre Olympic champion, has a previous um, suspension for one, a one year period due to failures in the whereabouts Um in the whereabouts system where an athlete has to notify their whereabouts so testers can test them. She unfortunately wasn't where she was supposed to be. And as a result, she received a one-year ban in 2017. But now she is facing a potential eight-year ban because she has been charged, well, with tampering within the results management process. Now, that's a fairly almost abstract description because we don't exactly know where in the process she has obviously interfered with something or interfered with someone who is dealing with the uh, results of doping testing. So we wait and see with this, but it's interesting to note because obviously skipping your whereabouts details and not being where you're supposed to be, and now having a charge of tampering within the results management process is a fairly bad look for an Olympian, especially um, the world's champion. And moving from this, this is just an issue that I think we probably haven't covered in the women's sports section, but it has been live for quite some time. In the last week, the former president of Haitian Football Federation, um Yves Jean Bart, has basically received a lifetime ban from FIFA uh, from any involvement in football as a result of allegations of sexual abuse on female players who were staying within the academy structure. In Haiti, Um, so essentially they had an academy where the female players were living, and the Guardian newspaper in the UK carried out an investigation after someone came forward. And basically, as a result of the investigation, the FIFA decided they had to take action and look into this further. Now, as of the last week or so, the Haitian football The Haitian um, authorities, as in their police service, are now saying they're going to reopen an investigation that they had previously essentially closed because they're coming under pressure from both the French and American embassies who are based in Haiti. But I suppose we've seen a lot of instances now that may have gone not not so much, didn't get the same amount of publicity um, in the context of sexual abuse within sports. We've seen it, obviously, with US gymnastics, and that has been hugely publicised. But in football, there has also been the case of the Afghani um, Kar- um Karim, who also faced a lifetime ban for, obviously, his involvement in abuse of female Afghani players. And I think, in that vein, we also moved today, we have now seen a Greek Olympic gold medalist, uh, Sophia who would be kind of one of Greece's best-known female athletes across the board. She um, competed at two Olympics. She basically has come out and in the last week made an allegation against the Hellenic Sailing Federation representative that he had sexually assaulted her. And as a result, the vice chair of that group has resigned. So obviously the finger seems very much pointed because she did not name the person, but, you know, suspicion follows. And I suppose when people discuss sexual abuse in sports they often think that it's about younger athletes as happened in gymnastics um in the us that they're being abused but these these are also people who are manipulating people of all ages throughout the sporting um area and this woman obviously would have been a well recognized olympian and i think we need to possibly have that discussion more and more about what safeguards are in place for women of all ages involved in sports And my last story is just a good news story after we discussed Kim Ng going in with the Miami Marlins um, as their general manager. We now have seen for the first time in NBA history, and it was, was only for one game, Becky Harmon became the first female head coach in an NBA game for the San Antonio Spurs. When their head coach, Greg Popovich, was ejected from the game due to a dispute with the referee, he has the opportunity to nominate one of his six coaches to basically take over. And he nominated Becky Harman, Becky Hammond. Sorry. So the big news there is, I suppose, we are on the cusp of finally seeing a woman potentially go to a head coach role at some stage. And Becky, I'm sure, would be known to listeners. She actually represented Russia in the 2008 and 2012 Olympic Games. She was passed over for the US team but had obviously played a a big part of her career in Russia so was eligible to play there.
3: Okay, that is good news. Um, Yeah, again, the the abuse of athletes, male or female, is just, or female or male, doesn't matter which, it's just um, always painful and Unfortunately, it you know I, I can see these parallels between, say, for example, doping and then abuse of of minors, abuse of athletes, because it's 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 all you know it's there, and so so often uh, parents or athletes and coaches and administrators are blinded because if someone does a good job, if someone is a, is a very very good coach, they overlook it. They overlook the other problems that they would you know or the other abuses that they would uh, put onto athletes. Um, so. It is a difficult one. I always tell the story uh, of, of a, a tennis player that I told her parents um, not to send her to one particular tennis coach uh, who was um, um, active in Switzerland and I told don't send her there. And the turn out he did. He was well known as an abuser. I told him exactly what he was going to do and he did it. Um, as in, like he was going to say she was too fat, she was too lippy and she had bad balance and bad footwork. He said it to every single athlete and then you know, use that as his uh, modus operandi to abuse them. And the parents basically said, Well, you know, well, we, we understand that. We understand your your reservations, but he gets results. And, you know, that was one of the. Yeah, I, exa- exactly. That was for speaking about their own child. That was a mother speaking about her own child. So. Um, always disturbs me. Uh, Alex B, I'm trying to get you in there because we want you to join in uh, the discussion. So if you unmute your mic, for some reason it's it's muted. I can see it on the screen. There you go. Oh, you're in with us. Listen, Alex, um, before we go on to NBA, of course, there is... Now, you picked the Kansas City Chiefs to go win it all, to go win the playoffs, win the Super Bowl again, back-to-back. They are kicking off at 5 minutes past 11 Moscow time against the Cleveland Browns, our favourite Cleveland team. Are you still backing the Chiefs, Alex B? Uh. I am. I am still back in the seats. <laughs> okay. So. And listen, the hated, in your words, uh, Tom Brady, of course, put out Alexander Zottel's, um <laughs> <laughs> You're laughing away. <laughs> Don't you start me laughing. Uh, 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 Tom Brady... Yeah, no, please continue. Please <laughs> continue. <laughs> Tom Brady. The hated Tom Brady. Uh, no, even Peter P says that as well. Um he detests the man like you know, he's not he's not kind of like you, like lying on top of a building with a you know, in, in, in with a sniper rifle. But he's getting there. Um, the Buccaneers are playing the New Orleans Saints today. How do you reckon? Will that be the Saints with a home win or does Tom have a chance to, you know, progress? Uh yeah, no, yeah, I have the
4: Saints. I have the Saints in this one. Uh you know, they've always been pretty good. I haven't really been weighing out anything for the past couple of years, but no, I have the Saints.
3: Okay. They're number two in the NFC. Yeah. That is fair enough because of course we noted yesterday, Green Bay won uh, 32-18 over the LA Rams and Buffalo are going forward they won 73 in an absolute horrible match against baltimore ravens so kind of a local derby between them Alexander often would be very sad because he was kind of back in baltimore because they're like you know kind of local to washington but of course they, they didn't come off um okay so moving very swiftly on to nba uh what is your uh take on the hammond as head coach uh, position that we just discussed with Isil cody
4: And
3: uh, what what, 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 uh, what team is this? <laughs> San Jose Spurs <laughs> or San Antonio Spurs? San Antonio. Sa- ah! San Jose Sharks. Excuse me. San Ho- San Antonio Spurs. Um, the woman who who became head coach for a short time because the head coach was ejected. Do you think that's a, it's a good thing for 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 the NBA just to sort of show look like we're open to anything?
4: Oh yeah, there's been. Uh Female head coach uh, coaches in the NBA staff, but I don't know if it's like the best thing for the San Antonio Spurs because Greg Popovich, he's widely regarded as the best coach to ever, you know, be in the NBA. So yeah, he he kind of does that. He kind of gets ejected. He gets very sort of into it. But I don't know. I don't know if it's a good thing for the San Antonio Spurs. Well, it's a good thing for the NBA, of course.
3: Okay, that is good. Look, you're going to talk about James Harden now for a minute because he uh, he made history for the Brooklyn Nets. He joined the Brooklyn Nets uh, this past week. Um, And last night, he he got a triple-double, the first ever NBA player to get a triple-double. That's uh, 30 points, 14 assists, and 12 rebounds in a 122-115 win over the Orlando Magic. Tell us um, how he ended up at Brooklyn, and will this make Brooklyn a contender?
4: Uh, Yeah, well, first of all, I have to say he's definitely not the first player to get a triple double on his <laughs>
3: debut on his debut for the team oh yeah 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 sorry yeah yeah no I, I, I should have <laughs> clarified that don't please forgive me okay I
4: <laughs> know uh, but um so first of all before I do that I'm just gonna quickly fire off what's going on in the east and in the west so in the east the Celtics are actually number one with eight wins three losses followed by the bucks the Pacers, the sixers and then the Nets but I think that's gonna change um, after this trade uh, the Raptors are number 12. Worse than the Hornets. Worse than Cleveland. Worse than John Miami Heat. <laughs> Christ Almighty! Yeah, yeah Miami Heat's not doing that well either. I'm, I'm oh. kind of surprised about that. Yeah, yeah, very well in the playoffs. Um, but over in the West, we have the Lakers, obviously up in front, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, and the Trailblazers. So not much change since last year in the West. Yeah. But um, so yeah, James Harden. So this has been. You know, this is just a crazy trade because now they have their starting lineup is kind of looking like Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, uh, James Harden, DeAndre Jordan, and Jeff Green. That's that's arguably better than what the Warriors were in 2016 because right now, James Harden is undeniably the best shooting guard in the NBA. Uh, Kyrie Irving is a top three, top two, maybe, uh, point guard, and Kevin Durant is also like a top three small forward. And... The Brooklyn Nets, I mean, they've never had a team like this in the franchise history, not even close. They've never even got like a single guy like Kevin Durant. Now they have three superstars on their team. It's gonna be you know, it's gonna be crazy for Brooklyn. Because yeah, they've always kind of been this like decent team. You know, if not decent is actually kind of a strong word. They've been (laughs) closer to the to the bottom of the league pretty much throughout their whole history. But yeah. I think this team is going to, you know, if if they manage to play well together and keep the players that they have, then they might, you know. I know they're going to dominate the East, that's for sure. I don't know if they're going to beat the Lakers, but I think they have a good chance of beating the Lakers and winning it all this year.
3: Well, listen, that is a very, very bold prediction. And, you know, you're never too far off uh, the truth when it comes to this. Um, One question about just before we move on, uh, because we're going to talk about UFC in a moment. With the Brooklyn Nets, they have three real superstars, three top players in the NBA. Um, But can they be kind of like a, a, a team of great players, but not a great team?
4: Oh Well, yeah. So the first time I remember in the Seattle Supersonics, then when they turned to the Thunder, they had Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and Kevin Durant on the same team. And that team kind of fell apart before they could win any championships. But, uh, you know, it was a variety of reasons. Everybody wanted kind of their own uh, time to have the ball. And right now that's obviously going to be even worse because, you know, Kyrie Irving and Katie and James Harden, they all have something to prove against the league. They all want to you know, kind of remain in their spots or like Kevin Durant wants to show that he's the number one small forward, that he's better than LeBron. It's always kind of been his thing. Kyrie Irving wants to prove that how good he is because he hasn't been very active lately for the past few years. Uh, so that might kind of get in the way of uh, of how good they are in the playoffs. But ultimately, I think that you know, if they figure this out, then they might become dynasty.
3: Okay, listen, I've got two questions in, and because I'm going to give you one, both of you, thirty seconds to answer, because we need to run away to the break. This is UFC. Uh, question from McCann for you, uh, Isul Cody, um, Connor and Poirier. Who will win, and why?
5: Unfortunately, I think Connor will win. Um, purely because looking at um, everything I've seen of him in the last few months in his training, he's been much qu- quieter in social media. But what you're seeing, he's looking a lot bigger. Yes, he will have to cut down. He's also been boxing with doing like a boxing side of his training with an Irish guy called Dylan Moore, who I've seen fight a good few times live. And I think is a great prospect in terms of Irish boxing. So I think that area of his game will definitely be upped. And I just think he's going to win and then he's going to annoy us all by either calling for Habib or walking away
3: again. Okay. The eternal retiree. And uh, Alex B for you, you've got a minute uh, or less than a minute. Uh, Habib, is he coming back?
4: Uh, So yesterday or the day before he had a meeting with Dana White, he pretty much said that, you know, if he sees something from the lightweights this Saturday, then that's going to surprise him. You know, it's, the word he used was spectacular, then he might come back to fight that person. So we have Dustin Poirier against McGregor and Dan Hooker against Michael Chandler. Uh, He was also very impressed by Charles Oliveira when he fought Tony Ferguson. So, yeah, I mean, there's six guys at lightweight that are all contenders. Uh, So if he sees anything that could actually just be, you know, that could interest him, then, yeah, he might come back. But... Uh, Again, yeah, I think this main event with Dustin Poirier and McGregor, uh, I think a lot of people,